Amen. What a blessing. My message today is encouragement for tomorrow. Encouragement for tomorrow. You know, the things we look forward to tomorrow give us strength for today. I did not know what they were singing, and they did not know what I was preaching, but I'm glad the Holy Spirit did and put it all together this morning and prepared our hearts for the preaching of His Word And I want you to open your Bibles to Haggai chapter 2, encouragement for tomorrow. Notice what Haggai, the preacher, says in Haggai chapter 2 and verse number 3, he asked the question, Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? Now he's talking about Solomon's temple. No edifice was as beautiful as was Solomon's temple. It was beautiful not just because of the gold, the silver, the marble, all of the intricate work that was placed in that temple. But when Solomon prayed and the Holy Spirit of God, the fire of God fell and smoke filled that place, There was nothing on earth quite like the temple that Haggai is talking about. He asked the people, now how many folks among you saw that temple in its glory? The Bible then goes on to say, and how do you see it now? Of course, it's been destroyed. It was destroyed by the Babylonian army. We'll come back to that in just a few minutes Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? Yet now, be strong. Boy, I like it. Let's get ready. Let's gear up. Let's get strong. Yet now, be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord. And be strong, O Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest. And be strong, all you people. Notice the team effort. Of the land, saith the Lord, and work, for I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you, fear ye not. Heavenly Father, help me as I preach your word this morning. Lord, I guess you're the only one that can know the excitement in the heart of a preacher in this very moment. Lord, to realize I'm going to deliver a truth, a truth that is eternal from your word. Lord, as excited as I am about the truth, I'm equally hungry for the power of the Holy Spirit and the good hand of God that you would help me as I preach and you would help us as we listen Lord, I pray that you'd help folks to understand the importance of hearing the Word of God. May we put away all distractions. May we sit up and give our attention with our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Many years before the writing of this book, the Babylonians had invaded Israel. They had destroyed the temple. They'd taken it apart brick by brick. They'd taken the gold. They'd taken the silver. It was absolute ruins. They had taken the people away to Babylon, several hundred miles. And the people of God became captives of the Babylonians. 
in a strange land. As a child, Haggai had been taken from the land of Israel, from seeing the great and beautiful temple, and he had grown up in Babylon. When he left, all he could see and remember were the smoking ruins of the temple and of the city. The boy Haggai, maybe 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, he saw the great city of Babylon, the new home where he would live as a captive. That beautiful city that sat beside the Euphrates River, the city that ruled the world. Babylon would be his home from childhood to old age as he would spend the next 70 years in captivity. So going from an 8 to 10 year old boy to a 78 to 80 year old man. But Haggai would never forget his roots. He would never forget the fellowship among God's people. He would never forget the beautiful temple of Solomon where they would go and offer their sacrifices and worship the God of heaven. He would never forget the preaching of Jeremiah and Ezekiel. He would never forget the visions and revelations that were spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Haggai watched a generation of their people in captivity in Babylon grow up never to have known the city of God. They grew up in Babylon. They were children of God, but they were born in Babylon, and they didn't know anything but the beauties of Babylon. They'd never walked and seen in the distance Solomon's temple and heard their parents talk about the history of their nation, of how God had delivered them from the land of Egypt. And the first temple was a moving tabernacle. It was a tent. And they used badgers and badger skins and other skins of animals, of goats and various things. And that tent traveled through the wilderness until they came to the land of Canaan. And they would hear that story as a child, but these children had never heard that story. They grew up in the city of Babylon. They began to enjoy the luxuries of Babylon and they didn't long for the land of promise. They had never been there. They'd only heard about it and they knew that it was a land of destruction. As the Bible tells the story in the book of Ezra, God moved in the heart of King Cyrus and he issued that famous decree that emancipated the Jewish captives and they were told, if you want, you can go back to your city. You can go back and rebuild whatever you want to build. The new generation was busy enjoying the vast Persian Empire and all of the things that it offered. The people like Haggai that remembered, they wanted to return. And they wondered in their age if they could persuade enough people to go back and rebuild the city of God. Haggai was among the group that returned. They returned with the desire to rebuild, to remake, and to revive the city of God. When they arrived, they began first the process of rebuilding the temple. They didn't start building their houses 
first they started rebuilding the temple first. If you know the story, the first thing they built was an altar. And then they laid a foundation. There was such a celebration. There was such rejoicing in that day that it was such an excitement just to have the foundation laid again. By the way, the key to the blessings of God is not rebuilding the economy. The key to the blessings of God is rebuilding the altar. And Christians who are more concerned about the economy than they are the relationship with God are a hindrance to revival. And I would challenge you today, as our nation rebuilds and it begins a rebuilding process of the destruction that's taken place in our nation in the last five weeks, let's put the altar of God first on our list. And I promise you, God will take care of the economy. So they laid the foundation, they built the altar And then opposition came. Difficulty came. And for 16 years, they left the rebuilding of the temple and they started building their own houses. God stirred in the heart of this old preacher, Haggai. The best I can tell, Haggai is some 90 years old when he gives this book and he gives this challenge. My, what a challenge it is. He says uh, to them in verse number 4 of chapter 1, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses and the house of God lie waste? You have a house that is sealed from the elements of the heat and the cold. And the house of God just has a foundation. Hey, let's get back to rebuilding the temple. And some would say, yes, but uh, our building permit expired. And yet, uh, the governor won't let us uh, build again. And and, uh, all the excuses. And boy, Haggai, did he ever preach to these people. And while everything was not constant, consistent, and complete in the rebuilding, he did get them back to building the house of God. Now here's the purpose of my message today. We look forward to our nation returning to prosperity and growth. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful to be a citizen of these United States. I'm thankful that we have the history and heritage that we have. I'm glad that I belong to the most benevolent nation in the world. Yes, I want to see industry and commerce return. Yes, I want to see folks back to work. I want to see folks enjoying uh, their families and rearing their children and building houses. I'm for that. God told His people to do that. But more important than that, I'm interested in us seeing a spiritual revival. I'm interested in trying to persuade as many Christians as I can to say, it's all right that your business rebuilds. And I pray that God blesses you. And I pray that He multiplies your efforts. But I want to ask you, would you give some of your time to let's see revival in our country? Would you begin your days in prayer saying, Lord, 
Give us a spiritual awakening. God, help us to rebuild the church. Help us to rebuild the work of God. Our buses have not been on the road now for weeks and children have not been in Sunday school and church for weeks and our folks have not been in their place and I have a concern that we have become complacent and satisfied and our desire in seeing America reopen would just be for the financial or the educational benefit. Now I'm for that and God's for that. Oh, but dear friend, as a preacher of the Word of God and from a burden deep in my soul, I want to say, let's put God first. Let's build the altar. Let's build the house of God first. And if we'll build the house of God, if we'll put God first in our lives, I promise you, He will bless your life and you will enjoy those blessings. There's so many people, they will build a large business and they'll build it on their work rather than faith in God and then they live in fear that they're going to lose it. If you'll do a work and build a business and a family, if you'll build that on God and His promises and putting Him first, then we don't have to live in fear, but we can live in faith what God has given. God can preserve. I could preach a long time from this passage of Scripture, but I want to give you four things that Haggai told the people that got them after 16 years back to building the house of God. He said, first of all, we have to let the past go. We can't live in the past. Now, we can learn from the past, but we can't live in the past. Go with me, if you will, to verse number 3. Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? You see, many of the older Jews, they were living in the memories of the past and some of them had come back to Jerusalem. But when you read their statements, they cared more for the pride of what had happened in years past rather than doing a work for God. I keep hearing uh, this statement. Well, we don't know what the new normal is. I, I don't care about that. You know what I care about? I want to know what new thing God's going to do. I want to know, and I want to tell you this, as I read the book of Hebrews, at different times and in different manners, God revealed His Son more and more and more and more. The prophets uh, talked about Jesus and the coming of Christ. We come to the Gospels and we find the birth and the life of Christ. We come to the book of Acts and we find the ascension of Christ. We then find the coming of the Holy Spirit. We have a complete Word of God and we learn more and more about Jesus, but as I look at the Word of God, I find that God always does more in this generation than He did in the past, and the next generation than the past. God wants to do a great work, but folks, we can't do a great work for God unless we look at the past as something to learn from, not live in. You'll find one story here when they had a celebration for the foundation that the young men were rejoicing to see what God had done. And the old men, they came in and wept and said, why, this is nothing compared to the past. Can I tell you something? You can't live life by comparing what you have to a perception of the past. Our life today needs to be seen inside the will of God and what God is doing and what God does in your life and what God does in my life and what God does in our life. That's what's important and that's exciting and that's what we have to live life for. I grew up in a day when there were some great churches. 
I knew some of the great preachers of the past generation, and I'm thankful and I'm honored that I knew them, and I honor their lives, and I honor their work. I'm thankful for the great Highland Park Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I'm thankful for the work of Tom Malone and Jack Howes and a multitude of others. I'm thankful to have known Lester Olaf and John Rice and that, and that generation of men. But folks, can I tell you, I'm not excited about the past and living in the past and say, oh, I wish we could go back to there. I don't want to go back to there. I want to see what God has uh, for this uh, uh, coming up month and this coming year. And I want to see what God wants to do. I want to learn from the past, but I don't want to live there. I want to take the past as an example of what God did in the past and say, God can do it again in Haggai. He said to them, listen to me now. Listen to me. Some of you, you remember, uh, you remember the temple of old. But I want you to see not just the temple of old. I want you to see God is getting ready to do a great work now. And as sure as I'm standing here today, I believe God desires to do a great work. I want to be a part of that great work. I'm looking forward to every day ahead. I know there will be trials. There always have been. I know there will be testings. There always have been. I know there will be opposition. There always has been. But my God is a greater than God and God's will can be done with people who just have faith in Him to move forward. A story I've told a couple of times in the past tells of a preacher that was living in the 20s, the 1920s. The 1920s came, became known as the Roaring Twenties, days of, of prosperity and also days of immorality and, and, and days that they began to forget God because of His blessings, by the way, that introduced America to the Great Depression. And I'll put this in your mind as history repeats itself as we come back to a day when our economy could be strong again. Don't you, don't you forget God. If you do, God can take it all away just like that. He's done it so many times before. That's why I say, let's build that altar first. Let, let, let's build this spiritual awakening and relationship with God. But a story of the 1920s, a, a preacher was somewhat discouraged. He was walking along the sidewalks with his hand in his pockets. And as he walked along, and he, he just said, I just feel like such a failure. I'm not accomplishing much and, and just, just discouraged. And, and he would walk from uh, store to store on the uh, streets of his town, just look at the different advertisements and, and just, just passing the time away in his sorrow, thinking uh, that he was a failure. He came in front of a funeral parlor, as they called them in those days, a funeral home. And there was a humorous sign posted in the front of that and here's what it said why walk around half dead we can bury you for $69.50 he got tickled reading that and he said you know that's me I'm about $69 away from the grave. He went back to his office and he fell on his face. He said, God, I don't want to walk around half dead. I don't want to remember the past is something that's an anchor. I don't want to remember the past is something to live in. I want to live for your will in my life today and for tomorrow. And he began to plan a great work for God. Can I tell you something? Haggai said, thank God for the past and what we can learn from it. Don't live there. Let's forget the past to move on. Second thing he said, I like this. He said, now, it's important that we look up. Now, this is big. Look at verse 4. 
Yet now be strong. He says this to several folks. He says it to Joshua. He says it to the uh, high priest. He says it to the folks there. And then he says this at the end. Saith the Lord and work. For I am with you. Notice this phrase. Saith the Lord of hosts. If you look at these verses in these two short chapters, you will find the phrase, the Lord of hosts, several times. Now the word hosts speaks of the armies of heaven, referring specifically to the angels. Now I've talked about this in the past. One angel was sent from God to destroy 185,000 Assyrian uh, soldiers and give Israel the victory. That was one angel. There is a host of angels. He is the Lord of hosts. He's the general. He's the captain. And Haggai is saying, could I get you to stop looking around you and hearing the voices of the critics and the naysayers and the whiners and the criers and the complainers? I'd like for you to lift your voice up. Will you turn CNN off? Will, 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 will you turn Fox News? Will you turn the radio off? Hey, hey, somebody else has something to say. Look at the Lord of hosts. Look at God. Look at the Lord of hosts. I love this verse. Mark it down. Isaiah 45, 5. Here's what he said. I am the Lord. And there is none else. There is no God beside me. Folks, I know what's going on around us. But what's around us, that's not our captain. That's not our general. Those folks talking on the radio. Those folks talking on television. And I, I, I get the news and the statistics and the information like you do. That's not where I get my direction. That's not where I get my instruction. That's not where I get my inspiration. That's not where I get my joy. That's not where I get my excitement. I get my excitement to realize my general, my captain, my God, my Lord of hosts, he's still on the throne and he has something to say. Hey, the same Lord of hosts uh, that led Hezekiah is my Lord of hosts. It was the Lord of hosts that stood with Moses. It was the Lord of hosts that stood with Joshua. It was the Lord of hosts that stood with Gideon. It was the Lord of hosts that stood with Elijah. It was the Lord of hosts that stood with Elisha. It is the Lord of hosts that stands with you and stands with me. God is not weakened. God has not lost his mind. God has not become feeble in any way may I say uh, this morning lift your eyes and look toward heaven and realize uh, yes this is a valley and it's dark and it's deep and I understand that but look to the Lord of hosts and realize he is the Lord he's the only Lord he's the Lord of hosts and he's our captain Haggai gave him four things to get this temple rebuilt this place of worship he said first of all you can learn from the past but don't live there Second of all, he said, you need to look up. You're looking around you too much. You listen to the propaganda machine. Look up. Realize there's a God in heaven. Can I tell you something? This book has been wonderful this week. I don't know how many chapters of the book I've read and listened to this week, but the book is wonderful. And I've been reminded that there have been things far worse in our nation than what we're facing today. And there have been, there have been times that we've been attacked as far as our nation is concerned. In 1941 and uh, uh, 2011 and other times, God has brought us through every time and God will bring us through again. 
Lift up your eyes. Look to the Lord of hosts. God is in control. Then number three, here's what he said, and I like this. Let's start looking ahead. Let's start looking ahead. Let's not bemoan our circumstances. Let's not bewail our past. Let's begin to look forward in the will of God. May I say, God only sends his people in one direction. Forward. Now, the only other instruction God will give is be still. Be still. Be still and know that I'm God. But when God says march, he doesn't mean to march backward. God means to march forward. These Jews, some of them romanticized the past and forgotten that God is not just the God of the past. He's in my tomorrow. If God's in my tomorrow, why do I want to go to the past? I want to go where God is. I want to be where God is leading. And he was saying to them, I want you to move forward. I want this temple. I want it to be rebuilt. I want this house of worship to be rebuilt. There was a time I used to wish I lived in the 20s. I felt like I fit in that era or that time early in America. Then I realized God knew when he wanted me to live. And God knew when he wanted you to live. And it wasn't for your own good. It was for His glory. Did you hear what I said? God didn't make me for me. God doesn't exist to make me happy. God made me for His pleasure. I'm glad I live in 2020. I'm glad that I lived and am a father and a husband and a preacher and a pastor in April 2020. I'm glad. And can I tell you something? Tough times don't destroy people. Tough times define who we are. Your faith may have been good when the sun was shining and all was well, but if your faith has gone to zero in tough times, it hasn't changed your faith. It's revealed your faith. Let's decide as we go through this difficult time. We'll look ahead because God is in our tomorrow. When you study this passage of Scripture, there are three things that are given that God wanted them to do His will in their day for the future. All of them pointed to something greater, uh, pointed to something that was more grandeur than the temple of the past. First of all, in verses 6 and 7, God said, I'm going to shake all the nations. They may think they're in control. I'm going to remind them that I'm in control. He said in verse number 7, the desire of all nations are going to come. And then in verse number 9, he said, the latter glory of that temple is going to be greater than the former glory. Can I tell you something? The first temple or the temple that Solomon built. Oh, it was arrayed with all of the gold and the silver and the marble and all the precious stones from around the world. And yes, the smoke filled the temple because the fire of heaven fell. They looked at this temple and rather than gold, there was timber and rather than marble, uh, there was uh, wood. And whether that, rather than the tapestry of the, uh, uh, of the best in the days of Solomon, so beautiful that they all came to see it rather than that we have things that are more plain we look at it and we say well watch that to compare to the old temple God said I'll tell you how it compares gold graced that temple my son's going to grace this one 
I don't know about you, but I'd rather be in church where there's God than gold. I'd rather be in a church where the Spirit of God is than the smoke of the fire. I'm thankful for that. I'm not belittling that, but I'll take what's better. And God said, this is a place that my son will be brought as a baby. This is a place where he'll come and sit among the doctors as a boy. This is a place where he'll come as a man with a whip in his hand and a fire in his eyes to drive out those that have no business being there. Yes, the temple of Solomon was beautiful and it was majestic. It was more than a building. The fire of heaven fell in that place and how wonderful it was. Ah, but hear me well. Uh, Jesus, our our God is directing Haggai to tell the people build the temple. That's where God himself is going to come to. And can I tell you something? That temple has been built. That temple is gone. I understand that the Spirit of God doesn't dwell in places anymore. It inhabits the bodies of mankind. But can I tell you something even better is coming? Jesus Himself is coming again to bring His church from this place to earth where we'll be with Him forever. Think about this. I think of the churches of the past. I could talk about churches with large numbers. I could talk about churches with a lot of buses. I could talk about churches that were strong in missions and all of those were great and wonderful but do you realize we may be in the church that Christ will return for do you understand you and I could be the generation that's alive when the trumpet of God would sound hey when the trumpet of God sounds I want this church to have as many people in it that have been born again by the grace of God that have been baptized and that are serving the Lord I want it to be a place of joy and faith and excitement this may be the very church that Jesus would come back for. Can you imagine meeting the Apostle Paul when you get to heaven? Meeting Paul and saying, it's a pleasure to meet you. What an honor it is to meet you. Paul would say, I helped in starting as I was sent out of the church at Antioch. I helped to start those first seven churches of Asia Minor. Paul, that's wonderful. I pastored the last church on earth before Jesus came. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? Hey, folks, we're going to move ahead. We're not going to live in the past and, and, and whine and cry of what God used to do. We're going to work. We're going to serve until He comes. And then the last thing, the fourth thing, we have to get to work. We have to be ready. These days now are being spent planning, preparing to press on. We have to continue to be students of the Word of God. We have to continue to be faithful in our stewardship of giving. We have to be faithful in our work of soul winning. We have to continue to plant churches. We have to continue to do the work God's called us to do. I stand before you today wishing you were sitting here. God knows what's going on. But I can tell you this. What you're about to see in the coming weeks and the coming months, I believe is going to be of the greatest works of God that we've seen in our life. Now remember, we've turned loose of the past. We can't take our orders from around us. We have to look up to the Lord of hosts. We can't be selfish and just hide. We've got to look forward to tomorrow because He's already in our tomorrow. And we must say, I'm going to work, and I'm going to work till Jesus comes. Perhaps you've been in church and you've just been following along. 
You ought to say today, when we get back to church, I'm getting involved. We get back to church, every time I leave, I'm going to leave with a pocket full of church tracts, and I'm going to go out and do my best to win somebody to Christ in the coming week. I've been sitting and listening to the preacher talking about we need bus drivers. As soon as you can, you ought to get your CDL driver's license. If that's what God directs you to, you ought to decide, I'm getting involved. I'm getting involved. I'm going to be a part of a great revival in these days. I believe God has the attention of our nation and the world. I believe our space of grace is small. But I believe if God, if, if we would be faithful to God, God will do the greatest work that we've ever seen in our lives in the weeks ahead. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. She's going to play a verse of invitation song. You can make your kitchen table, your coffee table, place in your home. You can make it an altar. Get on your knees and say, I'm not going to sit in my sealed house and the house of God lie waste. I'm not going to drive by 1220 Brandon Road and see just a foundation. I want to see it finished. I want to see the aisles being walked by sinners being saved. I want to see it filled with children learning the Word of God, and I'm going to be a part of that. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning. As we learn from the days of Haggai, and these events can be repeated again and again as we go through history. I pray, Lord, that you'd use our church to do right and set an example of right, a revival in our nation. What is it that you could do for God that would make a difference? How much time are you spending in prayer for the bus ministry, for the camp, for the Christian school, those young men at the college preparing for a life of ministry and service? Yesterday morning, I was doing premarital counseling with young couples. I was doing it by way of conference call. I said to them, share with me your testimony. And both of them showed, told me when they got saved. They graduate from Commonwealth Baptist College in this coming month. And I said, now tell me what your plans are. And he said, preacher, God's called us to be missionaries. We're going to Africa. We're going to the state of the Congo in Africa to be missionaries to spread the gospel to build churches I talked to another young man who has one more semester after this I said brother what do you plan to do with your life he said I want to serve as a pastor he said preacher I hear you talk about churches that need pastors I want to be one of those men that will fill those shoes talked to a young man his wife this week God's used him in a great way already God's put it in his heart to pastor a church it's been beautiful to watch God work and to see God working in their life today folks can I tell you something if you're not careful you'll live in the past if you're not careful you'll be captured by the circumstances look up look up the Lord of hosts says move forward the Lord of hosts says, get to work. The Lord of hosts says, keep building. The glory that is to come is greater than anything you've seen in the past. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the truth of the message to our lives and to our hearts today. When disappointment and discouragement comes our way fighting against 
our goals, our visions, our desires to do a work for you. God, I pray that we would fight through those difficulties. We would be determined, I will, I will, by the grace of God, be a part of the great work before the return of Christ. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you so much for watching the program today. I wish you could be with me tonight here at the church, but if you will, make plans to watch it 6 o'clock this evening. A message, I believe, will be a help to us. Now, I want you to get ready. I want you to plan for big things coming up. I believe this could be one of the greatest summers we've ever had in church. You say, Preacher, I've heard you say that before, and it's happened too. But God's not a God of yesterday. He's a God of today and a God of tomorrow. Let's press on until He comes.